face to face and tell the story saved by grace. Someday my earthly house will fall. I cannot tell how soon it will be. But this I know. the last verse. Someday till then I'll watch and wait my lamp all trimmed and burning bright that when my Savior opes the gate my soul to him may take its flight and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace Amen and praise God Pastor would you come for the prayer this morning Well let's bow our heads and hearts we need to be praying for um, Karen it's been a while since Karen's been able to be in church and so Lift up before the Lord in prayer as well. And then we got a number of folks. Uh, Wesley's traveling in tonight, right? No, so Erica's friend. <laughs> Boy slash friend. Make sure that he's flying in tonight, so we'll pray for him. Ron and Tammy would be, you leaving this afternoon? Tammy's looking at him like, do we have to leave? You're having so much fun. I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Robin and Randy will be leaving uh Tuesday and Wednesday. All right, so pray for them. But it's good to have them home. Kind of like old times. Grumpy dad, yelling at them all. <laughs> at least that's what Shell says. I'm just daddy of the grump. So anyway, Father, we thank you for this time that we could be together, gathered in your house. Lord, it is a thrill to be able to come together with the people of God. And Lord, we thank you for our home viewers who have joined us as well. And Father, we trust and pray that uh, as they're listening, that Lord, they won't become distracted by many things that do transpire within the home. Uh, Lord, peradventure, they might have even invited a, a, another family member that doesn't live with them, but uh, Lord, maybe a neighbor uh, as well to come and to join them for the services today. But Lord, you know those who are saved, those who are not saved, and those who have a, a, a life fully dedicated to you and, and who does not. And so, Father, uh, through the message and through the preaching today, speak to all of our hearts from the pulpit to the pews to the home itself today. Lord, we think of Karen, and Lord, we don't know exactly where she is in her, in her physical uh, health-wise, but Lord, we know it's been a difficult couple of weeks for her, so we pray that you'll guide and direct and meet the needs that uh, she has there as well. Uh, Lord, we do ask and pray that you guide and direct. We realize our country is in desperate need of uh, answered prayer. Uh, Lord, uh, I'm sure that you're going to prolong it until your people get their hearts completely right and that we are who we're supposed to be and who we say we are and who you would have us to be. So, Lord, but may we be busy about sharing the gospel, telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ, otherwise there is no hope. Lord, you're not going to turn America around from the top to the bottom, but Lord, from the bottom to the top. So, Lord, we do pray for our president. We pray for his family. We pray for their salvation. We pray for the vice president and her family. They also will come to know you as their own personal Lord and Savior. Rather, there's got to be someone who's a believer in their, in their ranks somewhere uh, who would be able to, under the leadership and the power of the Holy Spirit of God, share the gospel so that they might clearly understand it and come to know you as their own personal Lord and Savior. And, Lord, what a difference that would make as we look at a top-down, bottom-up uh, uh, leadership of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the lives. We pray for our Senate and our House of Washington. We pray for our Governor and the Senate and the House here in the state of Vermont as well. Lord, we pray for those who do not know you as our own personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, there's uh, there's no doubt there's a tremendous amount of foolishness, of wastefulness that's going on down there. A lot of personal pet projects. And uh, Lord, uh, at the expense of American, the American people who are working hard just to get by day to day. And so, Father, we pray that more of the Senate and more of the House would come to know you as our own personal Lord and Savior. So that they could at least pray intelligently. And uh, Lord, pray as the children of God for the wisdom and the knowledge to make right choices and right decisions along the way. 
And again, Lord, we pray the same here in the state of Vermont. Lord, we pray for our churches all across America. Lord, some are meeting right now. Some have yet to meet in a couple of hours. And Father, we pray that those preachers who have prepared and prayed about their sermons, that today you'll fill them with your fire, fill them with your spirit, so that when they preach, Lord, uh, the people will respond and uh, uh, surrender and yield to the Holy Spirit of God and become the men and the women of God, the families of God, and the churches of God that you would have us to be. So, Lord, we do ask and pray that you'll guide and direct to meet the, the needs of this hour. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We prepare for the message now this morning. Take your hymns one more time and turn with me, if you will, to 649. 649. I know the uh, bulletin has a different number, but that's all right. 649, the hymn titled Redeemed. And I'll invite you to stand with me once again for those who are willing and able as we sing on the first and the last verses, Redeemed. 649. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed I think of my blessed Redeemer, I think of Him all the day long. I sing, for I cannot be silent, His love is the theme of my song. Amen. And you may be seated. And Junior Church is dismissed. Pastor, would you come? Glory. Thank you, Brother Steve. Thank you, ladies, so much for your your help today. We miss Diane, but we're so blessed to have Isabel, no doubt. Amen. Are we waving by to Dad? Yep. And marching out. Okay. All right, Philippians, as we were there earlier, Philippians chapter 3. Now, this is on the ongoing, the successful Christian life, and we've dealt with a lot of subjects and a lot of topics as we have been moving along. And uh, as we close it out, there's a number of things that as Christians we have got to learn to deal with if we're going to have a successful Christian life. And we use Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 25, where God said that he had an arsenal. An armory, if you will. And an armory, we said, was for one purpose, and that was for storing all the things necessary for defense, whether it was uh, C rations, K rations, or uh, RMEs. Now today, they call them RMEs today, which uh, I've eaten a few of those, and, uh, you know, kind of like eating cardboard with a little bit of something on it, but uh, not much. And um, that's where they keep the weapons, and it's oftentimes where the, the, the National Guards will meet uh, for whatever reasons they, they, they would meet along the way. Well, we also have an army, and so if we're going to learn to live the Christian life, we have to realize what weapons we have at our disposal to deal with the various things that we're going to come under attack. And we said anger is one of those issues last week. We dealt with anger. The issue of anger was one of those uh, things that, uh, well, it comes very quickly, doesn't it? I mean, it's not something you have to sit around and you think about it. I mean, it's um, boom, it's just like that. It's right there in your face. And so we dealt with that issue last week. This week we're going to be dealing with the topic of, uh, of anxiety. And it was interesting because we were sitting around yesterday. We are talking about different things. And, uh, of course, you, between those who work at the hospital and my daughter being a nurse and, and I've got nephews that are nurses and granddaughters that's a nurse. We, another, we have a lot of nurses in our families. I want to see some doctors along the way here somewhere along the line. But anyway, we have some wonderful, great, great nurses who know their business, no doubt about it. And uh, so on. I'm going to mention that a little bit later on in, in, the, in the message to, to drive home the point. 
But we're living in a day and age where trust has become an issue where it should not be one in the life of a Christian. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, there's certain, uh, you have to be careful about who you trust. So you just can't just go willy-nilly out there and invest your money here and invest your money there. You've got to do some research along the way. Uh, you have to be careful about what you respond to on the Internet because you have no idea what you're responding to. Uh, I mean, they're fishing all over the place out there, and there's a lot of people who have lost thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars because, there's, there, let's face it, there's a lot of unreputable people, real low lives that need to be saved. But they have no problem taking your entire life savings. And if you have to live on, on, on charity, that's <laughs> big deal. Uh, they'll suck you dry in a heartbeat and think nothing of it. And so we have to be careful, don't we? So if we are to check on various statistics as to the most trusted and the least trusted professions in the world, who do you think is the most trusted profession in the world? Nurses are the most trusted people in America. Statistically, in almost every uh, poll, nurses have come out at the top. And I won't tell you who's at the bottom, but you probably figured that one out. It's not preachers, but it does begin with a P. Politicians are at the lowest of the pile. And if there's a way to get beneath the bottom of the pile, this administration has done a good job at getting to the negative side of all of that. Amen? So, I do not believe one has to be a rocket scientist to know that the CIA and the FBI leadership, along with the Attorney General, to name a few, have unfortunately entered the field of those who are least trustworthy. I would not trust them further than I could spit and even not trust them that far. Now, the aspersions of distrust are best said. It only takes a few bad apples to ruin the barrel. This doesn't mean that every CIA agent or every FBI agent is a bad apple. But you look at the leadership, and folks, if you're listening to any broad spectrum of the news, you've got to know that there is a completely, totally double standard. One for those who handle the liberal aspect of everything and those who handle the conservative aspect of everything. So the truth of the matter is, uh, again, not a political message, though it may sound as though it is. It is a comment about trust and its impact on our society and where, where it leaves you and me. It can either be positive or negative. That is trust. So history will reveal the facts either here or at the great white throne judgment. See? But the issue of trust rests heavily on what we know about someone, isn't it? What we know about someone or what we know about something. I really didn't see anybody walk in here this morning and go over to their pews and touch them and shake them a little bit and push them. Uh, most everybody just came in here and pulled right down. How many of you thought, I hope it holds me? We don't have anybody that, that is, is that bad off that we have to worry about whether the pews are going to hold us or not. So, uh, what has been revealed and by whom and so... Knowledge plays an immense part in the degree to which we will trust something or someone. Otherwise, anxiety will take over. Satan has many tools available to get us to question God or to, to distrust him. And as we looked at 2 Corinthians 10.4 last week, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, when someone has anxiety feelings, you can't look at them and say, pull yourself together. They can't do that. It's not in their flesh to be able to do that. Oh, you know, just buck up and deal with it. Mm, that doesn't work either because the idea is you're telling them you are the one who needs to solve this. Well, while that may be true, there is a way that God has provided that we can deal with it because it is not in us to do so. Unless you want to take a lot of Valium or things of that nature there, that might help you in your anxiety. But God wants us to know that whatever Satan throws at you and I, whatever he throws in our pathway of spiritual growth, the tools that we need are not resident in our flesh, but are rather to be found in God and our developing relationship with him. I have noticed that those who have the least prolonged bouts of, of anxiety are those who walk hand in hand with the Lord. Footstep for footstep, they don't seem to have the anxiety or deal with them in the way that regular people do. 
So we need to, uh, the tools that we need are not resident in our flesh, but rather to be found in God and our developing relationship. And God knows what, uh, what we need in order to deal with anything and everything that Satan throws at us. You tell there is nothing that Satan can throw at us that God, doesn't have, that God at some point in human history hasn't dealt with. Satan cannot surprise God. God can surprise Satan. And God can surprise us when we begin to realize that I got a tool for that. I got a, I have a remedy for that. This is how we deal with this. And it's all found in the Word of God. And so God knows what we need in order to deal with anything and everything Satan throws at us, and more commonly known as fiery darts. That's what the devil throws at us. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, Above, above all, take in the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all, all. Is that everything? All, yes, all. All is all, as, as, as Brother Tom, by the way, pray for Brother Tom. Uh, Brother Tom is uh, in Connecticut, but uh, money has to go back to New York, as he does every year, for um, uh, check up on, on his uh, surgery procedure he had back several years ago. So remember them for traveling mercies as well. But uh, he would say that, uh, his pastor, you say that uh, he, he had a phrase called allology. Allology means all. Doesn't mean a few here and a few there. And so all the tools that God has given to us are all available to all of us here this morning. Amen? And so last week we took on anger, and by God's grace, this week we're going to take on anxiety. Father, won't you guide and won't you direct as we look to the message today on this issue of anxiety? And Lord, it's a very important emotion to deal with because, Lord, so many of us, and any of us, at one time or another, anxiety is going to be a part of our life. Lord, it may not be today, but who knows what the next hour is going to hold. Lord, who knows what tomorrow is coming in our direction. Uh, Lord, Satan's going to do everything he can to disturb us, to disrupt us in our relationship and our walk with you. So, Lord, you guide, you direct. And, Lord, if there's one or more that has these long, uh, drawn-out bouts with anxiety, then, that Lord, you will provide some answers and some solutions and some direction for them. That would be a real blessing to them. So, Father, whether it's to salvation or to rededication, we pray that, Father, you'll, uh, you'll have your perfect will and your perfect way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're looking at uh, Philippians chapter 4. Now, we took our text out of uh, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to look over one more chapter. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and uh, verse 6. And the Bible says there, Be careful for nothing. That means you live a happy, free, go lucky lifestyle, right? No, that's not what it means. We'll see it in a minute here. But it said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and what? Supplication and thanksgiving. thanksgiving let your be made known unto God. Now, three important parts of our prayer when we're dealing with something that seems to be overwhelming us. He says... In prayer, supplication, and with thanksgiving. But I don't know how it's going to end, preacher. God does. Be thankful that he knows. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. No, Billy Graham stated this about anxiety. He said, anxiety is the natural result when our hopes are centered in anything short of God and his will for our lives. That's what really constitutes anxiety. When Anything is centered on anything but the Lord. So anxiety is something that every one of us will experience one, at one time or another in our lives. Oftentimes in our lives. For any number of reasons, anxiety may come into our lives. There are many things in life that cause us to become anxious for, uh, from health, issues to financial and the unknown and everything in between. Some folks live their lives in anxiety and are always in fear and in a tizzy about something or other. I knew that when I was a child, I was scared to death of the dark. I would never hardly get out of bed except to maybe hop, skip, and jump into my grandparents' bed at the foot of the bed because I was convinced that there was a mouse or a rat that was going to grab me and pull me under the bed. Somewhere along the line. And as a young kid, I always had anxieties in that direction. I'm still here today, so there was never a mouse, there was never a rat who got me. So I made it, I, I guess I hopped, skipped, and jumped in the right directions. <laughs> but we live in a fallen world, and though we may be saved, 
We still have a fleshly side of us that is quick to respond to circumstances and solutions of life with varying degrees of anxiety. Now, some may be more anxious than others. Some of us may realize that, oh, hey, I'm anxious about this, but I'm going to turn it over to God, I'm going to leave it there, and I'm going to go on. Others say, I'm going to take it and give it to the Lord, but they also walk away with it. They never give it over to the Lord completely and totally. But some people become extremely anxious. Some people just moderately so. And so sometimes we allow them to linger or to go by very quickly along the wayside because we've prayed about it. We've presented a supplication, and we've done so with thanksgiving to the Lord. And folks, we've got to learn to do that. That's a very important part of the Christian life, is to take it to the Lord in prayer, and as the song and the scripture says, do what? Leave it there. Leave it there. Take it to the Lord in prayer and leave it there. If I was Steve, I would have sung it, but I'm not Steve. And so some folks become mentally and physically handicapped because of the anxiety. I mean, they can't function because of the fear that they are experiencing at any given moment. They're afraid of this and they're afraid of that and they're, they're afraid to go out of their homes or they're afraid to get on the highway. They're, they're afraid to drive here. They're afraid to drive there or they're afraid of this and they're afraid of just any number of things that can come into our minds that we might turn around and think, oh, that's so silly and that's so ridiculous. But it's their makeup. And until they learn to really put it into the hands of the Lord and leave it there, it's always going to be a recurring problem. Some of the storm, or some, some, some folks fret and uh, wring their hands hoping to ride out the storm. Some of the storms we will encounter can be very serious, very serious. Uh, a father unemployed wonders how he is going to take care of his family. And, and he will be anxious ridden trying to figure out how am I going to get the money to put food on the table. Some folks simply fret and wring their hands. Oh, I'm sorry, get it back. Sorry. A single mom wonders how she will feed her family. And so she frets and she wrings her hands. Where am I going to get the next meal to feed my kids? The loss of income. And a family wonders how they'll keep their home from going into foreclosure. Uh, folks, we live in some pretty uh, anxiety-ridden times, don't we? And I don't know about you, but I am so glad that I have the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And I have been able to diminish so many possible avenues of anxiety simply because I have learned to trust the Lord. But you know, Satan knows some of those areas where maybe I haven't completely done that. And he's sure to pick at that a little bit until finally that anxiety comes up and I have to admit I haven't turned it over to the Lord. But it may be a medical event that is a, a matter of life and death. I, I know that some of us uh, have anxieties about going to the dentist. Some have an anxiety about going to any doctor. So when you get your blood pressure taken and, and they'll ask you, is this your normal blood pressure? No. It seems to be a little bit high. You must have white coat syndrome. The fear of doctors or the fear of being in the hospital one thing or another. Now, I, I remember seeing a, a TV show and, and there was a movie where it was on a submarine and a guy had ruptured appendix. And they had to do surgery with whatever it was, a pretty crude uh, medical team that was on, 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 the, on the sub for the most part. And I said to myself, that's going to happen to me someday. Not in the sub, but I'm going to have ruptured appendix. I'm going to have ruptured appendix. I had anxiety about ruptured appendix. It didn't, it, it, it didn't uh, affect my lifestyle, but every once in a while I think about that. Oh, okay, not going to happen. Guess what? One day said, God, you've been thinking about it so much, you're going to have it and get it over with. So I had ruptured appendix <laughs> along the way. But, you know, it's, it's, it's things like that, that little things sometimes, and sometimes it's really big things along the way. And so, as I said, these are big, big, even monumental events in people's lives, though it may not be in yours. And it is understandable that one's anxiety levels are going to be quite high. As I said, the white coat syndrome under certain times of your life. But some people just worry about everything. Everything and anything under the sun. Literally. So we ask ourselves, is it a sin to be anxious? Is it a sin to allow anxiety to reside in our lives? Well, yes and no. Yes and no. Yes, if we allow our anxiety to control our lives and to cripple us in our faith or our trust in God, then it becomes a sin. Because we should be able to trust God, give it over to God, and walk away with it. Preacher, that's easier said than done. Yes, but it does take practice. 
You do it again and again and again. If you have to go to your prayer closet and say, Lord, I have failed. I've taken it back. Lord, I'm giving it back to you. And if you, you keep on doing that until finally you become so ashamed of yourself, you say, that's it. I'm done. I'm, it's, it's over. God, it's yours. I'm not going to deal with it anymore. Amen? So Satan wants to neutralize our faith and trust in God. You know, it's really kind of hard to share the gospel, to encourage someone to come to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior if you are an easily uh, anxiety-ridden individual. Because they think to themselves, well, you got this great God, this powerful God, he can do anything, he can do everything, and here you are biting your fingernails. And, and constant fear or constant anxiety because you have a lack of trust. Listen, if we can trust God to save us, can we not trust him to take care of other areas of our lives as well? And so... There is nothing like anxiousness to neutralize the Christian individual. And, and few things in life say, I don't trust God to take care of me when I'm facing difficulties, other than allowing anxiety to rule the day. With such questions as, what am I to do? How am I going to do this? How am I going to have no... How, how, how? And it's always the how. And it always seems to be in, in, a, in a state of panic. How? Well, I'm going to tell you how. Give it to God. If you have to spend some time in, uh, in fasting, then fast. Do what you need to until you can get that thing taken care of and that you are convinced that you can trust God to take care of it. Because if you've given it to him and you're going to trust him, he will take care of it. Amen? And so the answer is no, it's not a sin if we recognize our initial emotional response to whatever uh, problems we are facing and our attention turns to our understanding of God's word and the knowledge of God that we have gained and place our trust and confidence in what we know is true about God. That's what the ability is to be able to trust God. Have I been able to trust God in this situation? Oh, yeah. Can I trust him in this situation? Yeah, I can. And so really it is the idea that can, is God big enough that I can place my confidence and my trust in him to take care of the problems that are causing my anxieties. Now, we sing a hymn, Trust and Obey. But the lyrics in part say, trust and obey, for there is what? No other way. Trust and obey. There is no other way to deal with your anxiety. Well, in this modern age of medication, I guess you can take Valium or whatever it is, that, whatever squelches uh, anxieties. But you know, uh, whether it's alcohol or whether it's drug, uh, drugs that you're dealing with, it with, when the drugs wear off and the alcohol wears off, guess what? The anxieties are still there. They don't solve anything. Only the Lord can solve our anxious moments. And so you're thinking this morning, yeah, preacher, I hear you, trust and obey, for there is no other way. Easier said, or maybe in this case, easier song uh, than done. And, and, and you're right. Uh, some people just are not given to anxiety. Uh, they have their anxious moments, there's no doubt about that, but they're not anxious ridden or anxiety ridden. And so the Lord knows this. And so as we look once again at, at Philippians chapter 4 and, uh, and uh, verse 6, And uh, as we read that one more time, he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, and with uh, and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Be careful for nothing. Now, the Holy Spirit is not suggesting that we live a carefree life to live life without a care in the world. The point is to not let things and people, let no one, no one thing, anything, to overwhelm us so that we fail to turn to God for our help. And I hope. I have seen people that were so anxiety ridden, they couldn't even begin to pray. They allowed that emotion to so overwhelm them, they couldn't take a few moments to say, I need to take this to the Lord. Now, perhaps the best way to put this is not to despair so that we lose sight of God's provisions and abilities to see us through. We can reach into that arsenal and pull out the weapons that God has for us as we'll deal with here in just a few moments. But once we look at that, where it says anxiety is the most certain, certainly, uh, anxiety is most certainly a cause for prayer. But also notice verse 27 because it says there, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall what? 
Keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. So, he says also in that verse, 26, uh, verse, uh, verse 7, I'm sorry. There's the word passeth. The word passeth means to excel in this case. That we're able to excel in understanding what God can do, what God is going to do. We may not know how God's going to do it, but our thoughts surpass the event that's causing the anxiety. And so Jesus promised his peace was unlike anything the world can provide. John chapter, just hold your finger, we'll be back in a moment, but in John chapter 14 and verse 27. And that's not where I want to be. Um, I'm trying to think what I put down there for a verse. He was speaking to his disciples who were at the same time anxious over what he had just told them. And so in John 14 verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> he has told them that he's going home, he's going to prepare a place. They were probably shocked, to say the least. And I'm sure anxieties were running pretty high. They had been with him, they had left everything, and now they were following him, and now he's going to leave them. And so you see the question that is asked by Thomas in there, we know not, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus comforted him and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by me. And then he promises them that he would leave them with his peace. A peace that passes understanding. And so Paul was willing to accept whatever event in his service to the Lord that helped him to know more about the Lord our God. And that's one way to look at events when they come into our lives. Whether we're going to be anxious written about them. Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? Not, Lord, what are you doing? Lord, this is not a good time. This is not a good place. This is not, you know, whatever we want to use for this telling God that he doesn't know what he's doing. Lord, what do I need to learn? Lord, what do you want me to learn? Lord, what do you want others to see in me as I go through this? And so, it, really, some of these issues that we face that are brought on to us by God and just simply life circumstances are opportunities for us to witness to those around us. Because quite frankly, don't you really expect the people of God to kind of keep themselves glued together and not falling apart at the seams, so to speak? And so in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul says that I may know him. He understood that whatever he went through, he came out the other side of that circumstance in his life, whether it was shipwreck or beating or in prison, or, or being stoned to death. He came out of those feeling that he had learned something unique about the Lord his God. How many things can you look back and say, this is what I learned from what I just went through, what I've been through throughout my life. But he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. you got to admit, Paul must have faced some situations that would have caused the average person a lot of anxiety. And it may have even caused the Apostle Paul a little bit of anxiety. But as he learned something about God, he learned to give it to the Lord and let the Lord take care of it. So Paul was willing to accept whatever event in his, in his service to the Lord that helped him to grow. And we ought to be the same way. We, we may not find it pleasant, but at the same time, the pleasantry of it is learning about the Lord, learning about his presence and his power, uh, about what he wants us to learn. So, folks, in the Lord, this is what enables us to overcome anxiety. When we have learned to walk with the Lord. And as someone has said that God will not bring more than what we can handle. Which means that all these little things are building up to bigger things. And you're probably thinking to yourself, uh-oh. <laughs> but that's the point, is that you, you don't hand a kindergartner calculus. 
Oh, you don't expect them to uh, diagram a sentence. First of all, they have to learn to count. There's a lot of things they have to learn first as they build up along the process. And God's the same way in our Christian life. We're in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, meditating in the Word of God, and we're preparing for tests. We're praying for that day of exam, which is when? That's when the devil attacks us. Or when life throws us a curve and our anxiety is being to go up, we can say, Lord, you worked with me here, you walked with me here, I know you're with me now, and I'm giving over to you, Lord, and I'm going to go about the things, my daily routines. And so, the more we know about God, the greater our trust, the greater our confidence in Him, and this is true all across the board. And while we were sitting there talking, and, and uh, my uh, one grandson is uh, just probably the newest married in our, in our very large grandchildren's group, and his wife's a nurse, and She's going to take the test and stuff there in mass to get license for it. But uh, she wants to go into the emergency room. She, she loves, I think to myself, if ever there is a place on God's green earth where anxieties must be, it's got to be in the emergency room. Amen? Now, can you imagine that you are an ER nurse or even an ER doctor? And someone says, hey, there has been a serious bus accident. They have about 50 people, and they're all in really bad shape. Well, they can all get around together, and the anxiety's rolling, go like this. But you know, they don't do that. Now, some say, well, they don't have time to. No. Those who know their job and have the experience in the job, they know exactly what they need to do, and they know exactly how to do it. And so they can be busy about doing all the right things rather than hiding in a corner somewhere of a sense of being overwhelmed. And it should be the same experience in our Christian lives. If you've been saved for any length of time and you've been reading your Bible for any length of time and you've been meditating and studying in the Word of God for any length of time, you should know God. Amen? You should know what he is capable of doing. You should know that he loves you and that he cares about you and he wants, to, he wants you to have a, 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 a life that is, is, is rivals anything that anybody else on earth could ever possibly dream of outside of Christ. And so we have been saved, born again to be victorious, to be set free from the bondage of fear uh, and to triumph over anger and to triumph over our anxieties. Come on, Trying to get my phone to wake up so I can see what time it is. Oh, okay, we got two hours to go. Uh, but we're going to close with uh, point number two here. It's not very long. We're not alone. All throughout human history, we're not alone to have to deal with anxieties. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Adam and Eve, they were both created innocently. They were created in a, in a realm of innocence. They had no reason or any cause for anxiety whatsoever. Listen, they didn't even have any cause to be angry with each other. She didn't have to cook. She didn't have to clean the house. They wanted something to eat. They just pluck it off a tree and eat it, one thing or another. But all of a sudden, one day, Satan came, who is typically the author of all of these emotional responses that we have that God has given us, giving us, made, it, made it possible for us to have the victory over and he came and he had a little speech with them. And they bought into the lie. And next thing you know, Adam, where are you? All of a sudden, anxiety. He had never had that emotion before. But now the voice of God calls to him, Adam. And he was hiding. He was hiding trying to cover his sin of disobedience. And so we have to understand that we're not the first ones to experience anxiety. You think maybe Abraham had some anxieties? You think maybe Moses had some anxieties? Do you think any of the disciples ever had anxieties? Oh yeah, I'm sure they did. So we can learn of God's deliverances from their experiences. As we read about them, we study their life. We can see how they sought out God and how God took care of that. Can you imagine the anxiety that lost Lot must have felt? He's thinking to himself, 
I've just lost two daughters or several daughters. I've lost my wife. The city is gone. And I now live in a cave. If I had made a different choice back there when Abraham and I had that conversation and I looked down in the valley and said, whoa, whoa I can make some money down there. This is very profitable for me to go down there. But he knew the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah that existed down there. He knew that. But yet he still made the choice. And he looked back and he probably had some real serious anxieties to deal with. But 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he what? He careth for you. He doesn't want you to be anxious ridden. You know, anxiety is not good for your system. Anger is not good for your system. It's not good for your heart. <laughs> and so the question is, how can we help one another? How can we help one another? Because some people really, really have some serious anxiety issues. It's almost as if they have a magnifying glass looking for them. But Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's what? Burdens. This is not one of those things. I don't have that problem. So you need to just buck up and deal with it. Or get over yourself, one thing or another. So how do we help? How can we help one another, those who have it? Number one, we can pray for them. And better yet, pray with them. Uh, back in uh, Kentucky, there was a, an American soldier who had met and married a, a Filipino lady in the Philippines. And he got transferred for, I don't know, nine months, six months over in Germany. She was pregnant. She called us one, one night, late in the night. And, boy, you talk about anxiety. She was, she was over the top. So the kids are all old enough to take care of each other. So we got dressed and went up and we read some scriptures. We prayed with her. We're assured her that God's going to help her. God's going to take care of this. And uh, we told her, any time during the night, you just give us a call. And we'll pray with you over the phone. And uh, we saw her in church that weekend. And she said, thank you for coming by. She said, I had a good night's sleep. I got up in the morning, she said, and I hugged that Bible so tight. Uh, and that's how she was dealing. She knew that. She said, this is my God. This is where I learn. This is where I need, need to learn how to deal with it. And she did just that. So pray for them. Better yet, pray with them. Number two is comfort and encourage them in the Lord. Let them know that there is nothing that can happen to them that God will not allow. Now, it may not sound very comforting. But the truth of the matter is, God is in control. God is our shield. And we can certainly go to all the scriptures that teaches us how, how God is our, is our provider. He will take care of us. He will rise through all of our needs. And, and let them know that we're there to help them as an individual. It's very comforting when they know that they're not having to go through this themselves. And eventually they'll get it. Eventually, when, uh, when they learn uh, about God and you've instructed them, you've taught them from the scriptures that they can learn to trust God, lean on God. Uh, and that is so important. Anytime we start to lean on ourselves, that's when we begin to get in trouble. How am I going to fix this? How am I going to handle it? How am I going to deal with this? And the truth of the matter is many of those things, we just need to give to the Lord. Say, you know what, Lord? This is beyond me. This is above me. And so, Lord, if, if you don't help me, no one's going to help me. And so you trust God. Comfort and encourage them in the Lord and let them know that you're there to help. And thirdly, walk with them. Study the scriptures, teaching them about the Lord and his promises. You might want to tell them, say, listen, you know, I realize that you, uh, you have a tendency towards anxieties, but I want you to know something here today, is that we can get together uh, maybe a, a day a week, a couple times a week, but we can sit down and we can go over the scriptures that will help you to know who God is, to know what God wants to do for us, what God is able to do in our lives, and see if that doesn't help them to mature. Because I really don't, now, I'm not saying this, that mature Christians don't have anxious moments. They just don't let those anxious moments control them. So we can bring comfort by sharing how God took care of us. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4 is all about? Uh, where it says, who comforteth us, talking about God, who comforteth us, comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now the word trouble means pressure or, or uh, pressing or pressure, things that are pressing. Things that have got a person that are so pressing heavily on a person, they become anxiety-ridden that you've got to turn it over to the Lord. Listen, it, may, it may be parents that, listen, we've raised five children. We had anxious moments with our children. Now, 
Then when they were going to school and, and they would be driving down to Pensacola, um, I learned very quickly. I said, Lord, I'm not going to spend all my time until we get the phone call from them worrying about them. Lord, I'm putting them in your hands. Lord, and we prayed for them. We prayed for them before they left. We prayed for them after they left, and we left it in their hands. And God took care of them the entire trip, all the way down, all the way back. And there are times in our lives that we have to turn brothers and sisters or moms and dads. We have to turn our children over to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't solve this problem, but Lord, you can. And then when you turn those things over to the Lord, leave them there. Don't try to solve it for God. God doesn't need you to solve the problem he's going to solve. He's going to solve it his way. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to pray for the individuals. And he wants you to pray for the situation. So, don't begrudge God for the experiences that we have dealt with or have to deal with uh, because they are meant to mature us. Meant to be examples to others. Testimonies concerning our walk with God and his walk with us. And to be ready ministers to others. I'm the pastor. But I'm not the only minister in this church. You have a ministry to the people you know. To live your life. To live it for the Lord. And to provide counsel to those in that world. Now maybe you don't know how to counsel them. You say, Pastor, could you give me some advice? Give me some direction? And I'll do the best I can. But it's always going to be from the Word of God, praying with you and praying for the situation. I've got to give you the right words from the Scriptures and share with them. But folks, you're ministers. Go out there and be ministers. Amen? And so, let's take our anger issues and our anxiety issues and tell the Lord that we're going to put our trust in Him. We're going to cast our cares upon Him and not take it back again then he can impart to us, then he can impart to us that peace that passes understanding. There is, how many of you really sense any kind of sense of peace when you're anxiety-ridden? There's not. It's just not there. You will know when you have come to a place where you're trusting in God where there is a peace that passes understanding. And the idea of understanding is that which is supernatural. God is going to bring a supernatural peace to your heart that others don't have along the way. So facing our fears and our anxieties means that we, that we do so armed with the knowledge that we have gained about the Lord our God. The less we know, the greater our anxiety. The more we know, the less our anxieties in our lives. The more we know about God, the greater peace we will experience. They go hand in hand. The more we know, the greater our peace. Father, we thank you for this time that we can be together. Lord, gather around your word. And Lord, I know that we live in a time, Lord, politically, economically. Whew, Lord, I know it's been, there's been times when it's been tough. We can look at World War II, World War I. We can go back and, and, and so forth there. But Lord... Right now, it's just a, it's a war between righteousness and unrighteousness, between holiness and unholiness. And Lord, the impact is, is, is economically a disaster. And Lord, we're so thankful for the provisions that you have given to us. And Lord, we're not going to be anxious written about what we don't have. Because Lord, if we are to have it, you'll provide it. If we need it, you'll provide it. But Lord, there are many today who are very anxious written about so many things. Lord, as much as I would like to see a certain individual uh, in, the, in the White House and a certain individual out of the White House, Lord, my confidence is in you and not in any of them. And Lord, so I'm not really anxious written about the upcoming elections in 2024. Lord, your perfect will will be done. But Lord, so oftentimes we, we fret and we stew about these things. Lord, it's, it, it's great to, to have the knowledge and the insight to be able to vote intelligently. But ultimately, Lord, it's between... Uh, between us and you, as you guide and as you direct. But Lord, we do ask and pray you help us to really deal seriously with this issue of anxiety in our lives, learning to give it completely over to you. Even though it may seem like we have reason to be very anxious, Lord, we have even more important reasons to give it to you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, not a soul looking around. It first begins with salvation. A lot of people are anxious about their eternal destiny. Some could care less. Some think they get it all figured out. Others, they don't know. 
Well, the best thing for you to do to, do to take care of that is to come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. To just receive him and accept him as your personal Lord, Lord and Savior. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter uh, chapter 3 and uh, verse chapter 10, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. Shall be saved. That's all it takes, preacher. That's all it takes. Call upon the name of the Lord. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Call upon him and God will save your soul. And then he wants to dwell within you to bring that peace that passes understanding. But is there one here this morning or even at home that does not know Christ as your personal Lord right where you are? You can invite him to become your own personal Lord and Savior and he'll put your name in that land's book of life. Preacher, pray for me this morning. I have no idea where I'll spend eternity, but would you pray for me in closing? Whether in the sanctuary at home, maybe you have a problem, a serious problem with anxiety. By problem, I mean it controls you to the point where you lack trust or even trusting in God just seems to be beyond the pale for you. I'm here to tell you this morning, don't let Satan win that battle. God wants you to win it. God will equip you to win it. Let him help you. Give it to him immediately. I don't know if there's one. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if you're anxiety-ridden or you're anxious about certain things along the line, give it to the Lord. Trust him. And when that peace comes, you're going to be so thankful that you did just that. Father, we pray that you'll guide, you'll direct. And Lord, there's probably a number of reasons why any one of us, from the pulpit to the pew to the home, might feel anxious in a given moment. But Lord, may the Holy Spirit of God speak with such authority that we will immediately seek your face, that we might experience the peace that passes understanding by giving it over to you. Lord, you know what they are. We pray that you'll strengthen each and every one of us toward that end. Now, Lord, once you dismiss us with thy blessings, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And all God's people said, Amen. Remember, 6 o'clock tonight, Brother Steve is going to gum us to death with a message. No, he's got a message, but uh, praying that he's going to be good this afternoon. And uh, so pray for his healing. Pray for Al's healing on, on his as well. Pray for Brother Tom. He's thinking about him this week.